you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There she is, the Iron Lady, when she sings it and makes it official. Welcome to the Big Show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. As always, the show uh, has been around for 15 years, brings you all the amazing people, the people with the greatest stories, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the all great authors who uh, give you their life journey, share it with you, and so you can use it to expand your life or learn what not to do or give you ideas on how to reformat your life. The CEOs, the billionaires, the White House presidential advisors, all the great people come on the show to share with us their amazing stories. And boy, do we have one for you today that's going to blow your mind he's the author of the newest book that comes out march 19th 2024 called ghost town living mining for purpose and chasing dreams at the edge of death valley brent underwood joins us in the show today and he's gonna be talking to us about his amazing story you may have heard of him back around the time that covid started there was these stories that emerged that were going viral on social media <clears throat> A young gentleman had bought a mining, an, an abandoned old mining town, and uh, I don't know. I, I I know we were doing social distancing, but evidently he took the six feet a little too far, and and uh, just didn't want to hang out with the rest of us during COVID. So I guess that was it. I don't know. Well, we'll get his story here in a second. But Brent Underwood is the owner of Cerro Gordo, an original boomtown silver mine established in 1865. He's the creator of Ghost Town Living, where he chronicles his adventures on YouTube, and he currently lives. On the mountain above Death Valley with no running water, seven cats, six goats, and at least one ghost. Welcome to the show, Brent. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. And, I mean, you've got 1.68 million subscribers that follow you on YouTube. You've had a huge success. Give us any dot-coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? Yeah, I think the I'm just ghost town living on YouTube as well. That's probably the best place to keep up with it all. I'm also on instagram at just brent w underwood but youtube has most of the chronicles up here there you go so give us a thirty thousand overview of what's inside your new book and uh, in your tale there yeah so you know i think four years ago as you're mentioning before the pandemic i had a pretty comfortable life in austin texas i was living in a nice apartment had a lot of friends but there's still kind of that urge that something else was out there you know something that could kind of grab me and hold my attention and I had grown up kind of having a background in history and hospitality. And so mm -hmm. this opportunity to, to buy an old mining town came up and we did that. And so the process, the book's mainly about moving out here in 2020 until now, which is 2024, and kind of the trials and tribulations there within and kind of how I navigated myself from what I would call a very comfortable life to a much more fulfilling life out here. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So let's get into a little bit of you and we'll tell back in the story. What was your upbringing? Who hurt you? And <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. But what, 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 no, how did you grow up? How did you get this financed? What, 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 what captured your imagination when you came across this and how did you come across it? Yeah. So Growing up was pretty normal. I, I grew up in Florida, the son of two 
public school teachers, you know, both my parents were teachers. So education mm-hmm. was very important. They were always like, Hey, you need to kind of find those blue chip solid jobs or the banking, you know, doctor <laughs> and th- all those types of things. Um, and for a little bit of time, my grandfather lived with us and his favorite show was Gunsmoke. And so if I try to attribute my yeah. love of the West and, you know, kind of the, yeah. the seed that was planted early, it was probably with Gunsmoke. Landon and, and uh, God, I'm trying to think of all the guys on Gunsmoke. I grew up like you did watching that show. Yeah, it was, I think that's where the seed was planted. And then, you know, if we yeah. fast forward, I went to school for finance. I thought, you know, banking was the best of the options that I had laid out in front of me. I didn't like blood. So, you know, being a doctor was out. I didn't really think that being a lawyer would be terribly interesting. So that was out too. There's a lot of um, blood in that business too. <laughs> there is. There's a lot of blood as well. A lot of, a lot of virtual blood too. And then, yeah, I, I graduated and I got the job in banking like I was supposed to. You know, I kind of went through that path and I just hated it. And I lasted maybe a month or so. It was just miserable work. No wow. offense to any investment makers out there, but it yeah. was, I can't imagine a worse thing to choose to do with your life than be an investment maker. And so <laughs> I, I quit and then, you know, I just, I had gone into all the student debt to, to pay for this education yeah. that I wasn't using at all. And so I kind yeah. of, traveled around a little bit, tried to figure out what to do, ended up starting a backpacker hostel. You know, where there's bunk beds, people come and crash, kind of like a bed and breakfast thing. Started one of those just because I loved traveling and I missed traveling. I wanted to kind of be around travelers. That kind of sparked the hospitality in me. I was like, oh, I really enjoy this. I like hosting people. And so that led to eventually a hostel in Austin, Texas, which was housed in a Victorian mansion from the 1800s. So that was my first kind of foray of combining the you know history and hospitality together i think it's a lot Mm -hmm. more interesting when you can go somewhere and stay in a piece of that town's past rather than stay in like a white box marriott or something like that Mm -hmm. where you stay anywhere in the world and so Mm -hmm. that was doing really good i was kind of getting a little bit anxious because it was doing well but there's only so much you could do with that i was looking kind of for the next project and a friend of mine texted me a link and i remember the link was like you know buy your own town for under a million dollars or something like that and uh, that was (laughs) a pretty captivating text to get out two o'clock in the morning. And he texted as a joke, he, you know, he threw the, this might be your next project, ha wow. you know, as a text message. And uh, <laughs> I became obsessed. I woke up, I started wow. reading into it and, and the town was just straight out of the American West. There was all the things that happened in Gunsmoke here in real life. You know, there was adventures, there was a bunch of murders, there was a bunch of, there's $500 million worth of minerals pulled out of the mountain here. And wow. so it was just this huge, interest and so I, I i remember the next day i kind of i didn't have nearly the money to buy the place and so i called up the real estate broker just you know for for kicks i was like hey you know i'd like to put an offer on the place i remember he was kind of frustrated he was just like get in line you know and so i guess a lot of people had really? liked this idea oh yeah apparently <clears throat> this idea of buying your own town and doing something with it was appealing to more people than just myself and so it was kind of gotten to this like bidding war type situation. And uh, I called up a bunch of friends. I was like, Hey, do you want to buy a ghost town? Most of them said no. Some of them said yes. You know, some (laughs) threw in some money. And then I was able to take a loan against my place in Austin, you know, so I kind of went all in. I took all my money. I took a loan against my place that I had in Austin Uh and bought it. And we closed in July of of 2018. And so bought it in 2018. Um, Mm -hmm. The first two years, was trying to play the whole thing of managing it from afar. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess first, the goal always has been to open this up for overnight accommodation. So have people come up, you know, stay in cabins, 
stay in different things. Mm -hmm. So let me stop and you so, for a second so we can catch up yeah. on the story, if you don't mind. Because yeah. I want to I play this out. When you bought the town, had you gone and seen it, or did you buy it, you know, maybe off a picture, sight unseen? I put a, a earnest money deposit down sight unseen, but I did uh -huh. fly out before we went to the, the whole purchase. I flew out. Yeah. And I remember, you know, as the car was rattling into town, it just <laughs> felt like the old, because so the road to get here, the final eight miles to arrive in town is an eight mile dirt road where you increase a mile in elevation. So it's very wow. steep to get up here. Yeah. And so the anticipation just builds, you know, I'm driving, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then finally, the town kind of reveals itself to you. And it does look like out of an old Western or something. There's, yeah. you know, there's an old saloon, there's an old church, an old museum, a mine shaft that goes 900 feet underground. And so yeah. there was just all of these things in my mind just started racing. Like, you know, what could we possibly do with this place? Could we, you know, turn it into this or that? And again, the idea was always to hopefully open it up so people could come and stay overnight because the yeah. town is set in a very beautiful setting where it's a, it's a, it's a mining town. And people think a lot, they think of the desert, but we're actually kind of in the high desert. We're up at 8,500 feet in elevation. And so it's kind of uh -huh. in the mountains. And from one side, you see Owens Valley and you see Mount Whitney, which is the tallest peak in the U S as well as, you know, the Sierra Nevada. And if you turn the other way on our property, you see all of Death Valley National Park. So it's a very uh, stunning view. There you go. So I had you, you know, when I grew up, I went to the Calico Ghost Town in California. We mm -hmm. always used to stop there going between Utah and California when we traveled to see our, our grandparents. And there's a kind of romanticism to these sort of towns and setups, especially, you know, when they're done well. Did you had, was, did you have any experience of, of seeing some of these things and was that playing into your vision or just you farm, you took this vision right from, you know, hey, I'm. I want to have that sort of, what was the, what was the uh, reference of the Western? We both grew up gun watching smoke. Uh, gun smoke. So was it, was it just the gun smoke thing? Have you been to Calico uh, Canyons or any other silver mining things and, and thought, you know, this is, yeah. did you have any ghost town sort of uh, romanticism before it? I hadn't been to Calico, but I think, you know, a lot of American culture has a romanticism around the American West, you know, it's yeah. that Western expansion. It's, it's kind of baked in. And so there is a lot of allure to the idea of this town where so much happened. And so that was mm -hmm. kind of playing in my mind. And I think definitely influenced by the gun smoke, you know, aesthetic as well. Yeah. And see, if I took over a, a ghost town, I'd walk around. I just lost, the, I just lost the name. What's going on with the Tuesday? I, I, the guy who used to go, hey, Pilgrim, what's up? That's John Wayne. There you go. Oh, right. right, right, right. I'd walk around like John Wayne, dressed like John Wayne. I call everybody Pilgrim. Well, let me, tell you pilgrim sorry guys i can't do impressions so you you buy the place can you tease out to us what what, what the amount you put down uh, how much you bet on your dream because i think that's kind of interesting. yeah it, in the end it was about 1.4 million it started at nine hundred and twenty thousand. yeah it was yeah. expensive it was 380 acres of property about 20 buildings and again i didn't have nearly that money so more than half of that came as a hard money loan and hard money is essentially as close to, I'd oh, say a loan right. chart. More than half of it was a high interest loan. Some of it was loans from friends and family. And then the rest again was kind of like banking against what I had in Austin and just kind of yeah. pushing in all the chips, which I think you really believe in scary. this dream, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it, I believed it and it's scary, but at the same time, there was some comfort that came in that type of commitment. Cause at least for me, yeah. 
I was always working on the next project, the next project, the next project. And there's an anxiety of thinking, what's the next thing that I'm going to do? And so for mm -hmm. this, that question is kind of out of the question now. Like this is the project, you know, for the foreseeable future, hopefully for the rest of my life. And I think I found a lot of comfort in, in that idea of it. Yeah. Well, you're building a hotel, I think, right now, aren't you? And so people can come there and visit. I'd be interested in coming to visit. It sounds like a lot of fun. I'm not going down any mine, though, but there might be people like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're building a hotel. It's it's interesting. There's there's so much history here. And I think the more I read yeah. into it, the more I find it interesting. Like in the town's heyday, they had 4,000 residents that lived here. And to put it in perspective, at that period of time, Los Angeles only had 6,500 residents. So it was oh, almost wow. like an equal trading partner to Los Angeles when it was in its boom mm. time, which is like in the 1860s. Um, yeah. And so to me, it's an important town, an important time, but it had been seemingly lost to time. And so the idea of trying to bring a dead town back to life is a pretty interesting project to work on, I would say. And I guess there's a lot of history behind this town. I found a book from 2012 called Cerro. Is it Cerro Gordo? Gordo am I pronouncing mm -hmm. that right? There you go. That's right. I think I got Cerro Gordo one time from a bad burrito. The uh, But there's a book that has images of it, and it's got quite the uh, Wikipedia page. So there's a lot going on here. Yeah, it was it was a boom town. You know, it was at one point mm -hmm. in time the biggest silver mine in California. There were wow. hundreds of buildings. They were pulling out, like I said, if you adjust it for inflation, they pulled out about $500 million worth of minerals from the mountain. Wow. And so it was just a huge operation and the demand of the place. So that we're in the high desert, so nothing was being grown here and most of the products were being imported. And so the demand called for a port city. And so the demand from Cerro Gordo forced Los Angeles to, to develop a little bit quicker. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of, there's some of the history books call these mines, like the mines that built Los Angeles, because they were so important in the growth of Los Angeles back then. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. So it, it looks like you're you're a doer sort of guy, work with your hands sort of guy. Do I have that correctly? I was watching some of the stuff you're doing and you're 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 good at that. I think you're you're kinda that's that's something you enjoy doing, have that tactile experience with what you're working on. Is that is that a good analysis? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely developed since being out here the last four years, a little mm -hmm. bit out of necessity, just because <laughs> we're two hours from the closest hardware store. No, nobody lives for you know many miles around in any direction. And so mm -hmm. you kind of you're not going to run to Home Depot five times in a day. You know you're going to have to figure it out yourself. And so <laughs> it's kind of something that it started in necessity, but I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. I think my day job before was working online primarily, and so mm -hmm. the the thought of getting out from behind the computer and building something real, you know, something tangible that you can see you and go. touch is something yeah. that's very rewarding, at least to me. And yeah. so I've really enjoyed that part of the process too. And, and how do you deal with the being alone and alienation? Like, I, I guess when you first drove up there, your, your car kind of broke down or at the end of the road or something, or got stuck in the snow, I think it was. And then, yeah. and so you're, you're kind of up there and then COVID hits and you're, you're kind of really stuck up there with COVID and stuff so tease a little bit of that if you would yeah I, I mean it's definitely can be a lonely existence at times but i think during the pandemic it was a little bit easier even because i would mm -hmm. tell myself hey everybody's not hanging out with their friends you know everybody's a little bit lonely now so yeah. it was an easy time to be up here for that reason i think since mm -hmm. the pandemic has eased up and people are actually out hanging out it's a little bit harder at times when you know 
all of my friends are going to see a movie or they're hanging out and all these things are happening and I'm looking out at, you know, the tumbleweed going by the road. It's a little bit mm. different, but I think the trade-off is I went from this life that I felt like I was just kind of floating through, you know, it was comfortable, but it just seemed like purposeless and meaningless in a way. And so mm. out here, it's a much more difficult survival. It's like very hard every day. Like this morning, for instance, I had to shovel like three feet of snow to even use the outhouse because we don't have running water, you know? And so it's, it's hard and it's primitive, but if the trade-off wasn't there, I wouldn't be here. And so like, I mm. find that the satisfaction that I get from being out here, you know, outweighs any of those loneliness feelings, I would say. There you go. Well, I'm glad you're, you're doing this when you're young. Cause man, when you're old, this would be, this would be much more challenging to do. Do you, do you ever get worried that I, I think at one point I saw a video where you're wandering around you're like, I don't, I don't know where I'm at. And I think it's when you first went up there and then, you, you know, you ever worry about like, having a sort of health issue or any sort of thing, or maybe you fall and hurt your leg. Like, are there some movies about that? You know, it's like, wasn't there a mine thing where the guy gets injured and there will be blood, something like that. And he has to crawl yeah. out of a mine or something with a broken leg. You ever, you ever worry about that sort of thing going on? Somewhat. The, the hikes are less so now. I, I'm pretty comfortable with the hikes. The the mine stuff, I think it is the opening scene that there will be blood where he falls down the mine shaft and like breaks yeah. his leg and has to climb out. That yeah. uh that does haunt me sometimes, you know, because in the mines on hikes you can have a satellite GPS locator where you can press a button yeah. and somebody can find you no matter where you are. Those don't oh, work yeah. in the mines. And so uh, usually I tell people where I'm going and when to expect me out. And if I'm not out, then you know there's a sick there's a sequence of events that should happen if that were to, to happen there you go it's so you got a good setup there as a backup do a lot of your friends yeah. like to come up and visit you and hang out and and stuff yeah. or you know there you yeah, go yeah it's it's one of those lives it's one of those settings that i think is very fun to dip your toe into for two to three yeah. days you know right now you know yeah. come out we have mines to explore you have dirt bikes and it's kind of this fun adventure land living mm -hmm. here for more than a week becomes a little bit uh, it takes that kind of <laughs> commitment and purpose, but yeah, my friends love coming out right now. It's fun. Yeah. You know, they come out not often enough, but they come out enough and <laughs> we'll, we'll hang out. Well, is it kind of nice to have your own, I, I mean, I don't know how the tax thing works in California for this thing, but you know, I mean, basically your own city. So you're like, Hey, well, we're going to do whatever we want over here. Abe, we make our own rules. Is that kind of how it works? <laughs> I, I wish that's how it worked, but unfortunately the, <laughs> the the state and the county still supersede us i we're not oh, like a sovereign nation wow. or something and so oh, okay. i still have to play by the county's rules and i still have wow. to play by the state's rules and so even for instance you're mentioning building the hotel the hotel has to be you know permitted oh, and approved to the state of california regulations and so we've had oh, eight inspections already on the build and we're not you know <laughs> anywhere close to done <laughs> the inspectors have to drive all the way out there. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it sounds like fun, though, man. I, I'd love to come see it. It's, you know, I, I, I grew up as a kid going to Calico, like, all the time. We just stopped there all the time. And, yeah. and, and so it was always fun. You know, I, I grew up watching Westerns, and, uh, you know, there's there's always, like, a romanticism to it. Have you, it sounds like you've been down in the mine. Is there any chance, uh, there's, like, a, there's a place where people can go and mine diamonds in some park back east and there's always some pe person finding some crazy diamonds is there any is there any silver resurgence mining or people can maybe come there and try and find some gold or silver sort of thing pan for it or something yeah the the mine there's 30 miles of mines underneath the town so it's crazy there's really? kind of snake everywhere yeah the main wow. mine shaft goes 900 feet down 
And off of the wow. 900 feet, there's levels every like 100 feet or so. Wow. Um, and the main mineral they're mining here is called galena, which is silver with like lead and sulfur and some other stuff in it. Hmm. And so there's still little pockets of it. I've gone down and I've refined it all the way down to pure silver myself, which is a lot of fun. Oh. But whenever I bring up the idea of bringing visitors into the mines, I've talked to my insurance agent and they, they describe yeah. that as gross negligence. And they said that there's no way to ensure gross negligence. And so I don't yeah. know that I'll be able to do tours below ground, but maybe above ground, I could yeah. show people, you know, the process of refining the silver and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be good. That or, I don't know, seat some streams or something. Is there any streams up there, eh? Maybe. Uh, no, so there's, it's, it's very dry. We actually don't have any yeah. water at all because... Uh, we're right above what's Owens Lakes, and, and Owens Lake is the lake that Los Angeles redirects to get their drinking water from. So we're oh, actually wow. a, kind of in a dust bowl out here. Oh wow! Do you can, can you drill down and get water, or is it do you got to import it all? Right now, we truck it all up in this old military truck that I have. Oh, but wow. <laughs> uh, we have. I've had hydrogeologists out. I've had mm-hmm. even water dowsers out. You know the guys with the sticks and all that. I've had yeah, them yeah. Out, but I haven't been confident enough to drill yet because they think we're probably having to drill about. A thousand feet down to hit water, and that's pretty expensive because oh, wow. you might not hit yeah, it. Yeah, but you know, you you know, you should do is when we one of those teenage corrections sort of things for teenagers who are bad. You know, they send them up. Oh, right, to, so far away where they can't walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I send my I send my kids there for the first eighteen years. <laughs> there you go. You know, you always tell them those stories of grandpa had to walk. You know, two miles of snow, yeah. 10 feet deep, both ways to school. They're like, you're full of shit. Right. And you're just like, I'm going to send you up there. And then uh, is there a ghost running around that we can tease out? I think, did you say there's a ghost yeah, up there? It, it depends kind of how you ask. There's a lot of famous ghosts <laughs> up here that people have seen over the mm. the years. Myself, I only have one ghost tale and it happened even before I was living here full time. And so I don't oh. know whether it was, you know, either the ghosts have now accepted me as a resident and don't bother me anymore, or mm. the things I previously perceived as ghosts turned out to not be ghosts. But mm. uh, the one that I knew, there's a, there's a building here called the Bunkhouse, and that's where a lot of the miners used to hang out. And uh-huh. just past the Bunkhouse is an overlook to overlook a great sunset spot. And so I remember I was up here, and we had a caretaker at the time. This was before I lived here full-time. And we had some contractors that would come and go and work on different projects. And they would stay in the bunkhouse when they were here. And so that day, the light was on in the kitchen. And I was walking towards the sunset spot. And somebody looked out the curtains and looked at me, you know, kind of closed the curtains. And I was like, oh, well, the contractors must be here, you know, thinking, oh, there's just no, don't worry about it. Uh-huh. So I go up, watch the sunset, come back down. Next morning, I talked to Robert, the caretaker. I'm like, Robert, you know, how long has the contractors been here? And he kind of slowly turned to me and he's just like, they left two weeks ago. And again, I'm, I'm a pretty rational person. So I was like, I know I saw somebody in there, but this isn't, again, we're at the end of an eight mile dirt road. So it's not like somebody's just going to yeah. wander into the building. Hanging so out I walked there, over yeah. there. I looked through the building, nothing, turned off the light, put a padlock on the door. I was like, no, I was going in here. And then uh, the next, that same night, the next night when I went to go watch the sunset again, the light was back on in the kitchen. And so I was like, oh man, I know I turned that off. And so, you know, I just, I, my, my way of handling it is I figure there's 380 acres here. They can have the bunkhouse, you know, hang out, do whatever you need to do. Sure, I'll yeah. stay in all the other buildings. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps with you telling this story, man. My hair's sticking up on my arms, dude. <laughs> the uh, someone in the in the audience is asking, how does he get electricity? Is he connected to the main network? Yeah, so we we actually they they connected electricity up here back in 1916 really? when it was a mining town. So we're actually on the grid. The, now that's not to say it doesn't go out. 
it yeah. it went all it went out last week for a week, and so I have generators up here too, where I got a lot, where I get a lot of the power. Wow, yeah. But uh, we are on the grid, which is pretty nice. We're, we're not we have no running water, but we have power, which is which is nice. There you go. Well, at least you got that. You know, as long as you can get Wi-Fi. But uh, yeah, and and people are enthralled with what you're doing, man. I can't wait to get this hotel open. I think people would yeah. love to come there. I mean, you may need a. I saw the size of the hotel you're building. It looks like it's it's kind of smaller. It, I, I, I guess you'll see what the demand is when it comes, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really interesting. I remember it went so viral and they're like, this guy bought a town and he's, and you know, everyone else is like, does he not like us that much? <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think maybe we've all kind of had that fantasy. I mean, over the years I've seen like small little towns get sold in like in Utah and Nevada and stuff. Not really ghost towns, but just like stupid little towns that got kind of bypassed by the by the main highway. And I think everyone's kind of maybe thought of a fantasy or had that fantasy of, you know, silver or gold mining. Every now and then I'll see someone panning for gold. <laughs> they still do on a like TikTok and crap. And yeah. you're just like, that kind of sounds like fun. You know, I, don't know, I, I wouldn't last long, but uh, it, it, so you've just done it, man. And you've journeyed this and uh, I mean, it's making a killing, I'm sure on YouTube. What's, uh, what, what have we talked about? You want to tease out about the book so we can get people to pick this baby up and check it out and, and uh, yeah, plan for reservation. The, the book is, the book's cool. It's, it's kind of the experience of being here over the last four years, all the different mm-hmm. stuff from, you know, surviving the natural disasters, exploring the mines, but I also mm-hmm. tried to research and find the best stories from the past year that hadn't been told because there's a really rich mm-hmm. history here and i kind of wove those in throughout the story as well and so i think yeah. overall it's kind of hopefully the idea to take that crazy jump into something that you really care about you know to find what you really find meaning in and just to just to kind of yeah go for something there you go now, what about chicks man you you ever have any uh, how's the dating life going up there uh, it's a little it's a little hard to get married to somebody and be like hey honey this is this is it. This yeah. Is, this is the castle right here. <laughs> this is it. But especially right now, once maybe if we get some running water going, there you and some, go. all get those some some, some yeah. decent things, maybe a little a little easier. Yeah. But yeah, right now it's uh, yeah. it's pretty uh, it's pretty sparse out here. Women are into that running water. This this is yeah, just you know, luxury. Yeah, <laughs> like living on living a high. Evidently, bathing's yeah. interesting. But you know, when you're a young man, bathing's you know overrated. So. Why bother? <laughs> I think that's how we are on the show sometimes. But uh, there you go. Well, Brent, it's been fun to have you on the show, man. I, I seriously would yeah, love absolutely. to come out and try it once you get this Please. thing rolling. I, I do need some of that running water a little bit just to, you We're know, I don't know, We're brush my there. teeth. But uh, yep. it's, it sounds like so much fun. If I do come, I'm going to dress up like John Wayne, and then I'm going to perfect my accent and call Thank everyone you. Pilgrim. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, you could do horse riding, huh? You could do. You could have people ride horses, and think of all yeah, the horses. different things you could do. Get some and, mules uh, up here. You get know. Some, don't they? Doesn't Calico? They have some players, like they have Western dudes who have like gunfights or yeah, something. Yeah, like That'd the be reenactment cool. stuff. Yeah, they have yeah, too. yeah. Maybe you could get Clint Eastwood to come up and hang out, man. You have part cool. of his last name. You're kind of halfway yeah, there. There you go. Yeah, Wood. We have a, We have Underwood Eastwood. There's. You guys are probably somewhere, you know, on ancestry.com. There's a there's a break off there. Maybe you could get him up to come, you know. Maybe maybe there's a Clint Eastwood. Maybe you could you might be able to pull like a young Clint Eastwood. You know, you just get that that those those satchel blankets or whatever you used to have, you know. Yeah. And you you just have to get a gritty sort of angry, you know. Anyway, I'm just having fun. So yeah. there you go. But yeah, that'd be that'd be kind of cool. Have a few CD 
bandits running around town, you know, doing the whole senior thing. Just be right. Definitely. There you go. It's fun. Well, Brandon, it's been fun to have you on. Give us your final thoughts. Tell people where to buy the book and any spinouts or plugs you want to take and do. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's, it's available everywhere. Books sold. It's just called Ghost Town Living. I think a great place mm-hmm. again is to jump into the YouTube. There's four years of documenting what's been going on up here. And that's a great place to check it out. There you go. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Brent. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, keep working hard and doing the the good work. I I think it's exciting what you're building up there and a lot of fun. And you know what? You're, you're living your dream, man. I think that's the beauty of your whole story because we, we have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs and stuff. They come on, they start companies, they do businesses, but you, you found what really works for you, man. Like I've run companies all my life. People ask me, they're like, it's great that you do what you love. And I'm like, I don't, really do what I love. I, the podcast I love because I love meeting and interviewing right. really cool people like you and your stories. But all my other companies, I'm like, I just do this for the money. I'm a whore, you know, and I, I don't really love it. And they're like, what would you do if you could do whatever you want? I'm like, I'd probably run a wolf refuge somewhere up in Wyoming yeah. of wolves and uh, cool. Siberian Huskies. And I'm like, I'd probably do that. And they're like, there's no money in that idiot. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I'd really care. You know, doing what you yeah. love, there's just, it's priceless. You can't put a thing on it. So I'm, I'm glad you've done that and you're sharing the vision with other people, man. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. You, you made the bet. Made it work. Folks, order up his book wherever fine books are sold Ghost Town Living, Mining for Purpose and Chasing Dreams at the Edge of Death Valley. There you go. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Chris Foss, one of the TikTokity, and Chris Foss, Facebook.com. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.